Welcome, fans and viewers. Don't change that dial. This is the host with the most, Dane Smith, coming at you this week. We are counting down to the Tokyo Game Show 2014. This is a special pregame show. With us is our expert panel, ready to talk about what is important to you, the viewer, at this year's show. Uh, With me, as always, the great, the only, the real Jim Sterling. Ben Shilby Hall. How are you today, Ben? I'm not too bad, thank you. And you? Oh, it's TGS season. It's ah. the best time of the year for those who do not live in California. Yeah. And it's still exciting news for us in the UK because we love all our gaming news, no matter where it's from. There you go. We all know that Japan is going to come out with something spectacular again this year. And joining us for the first time, the very first time, is Buckeye Brian King coming all the way from Ohio. How are you today, Brian? Fantastic, man. I'm good. That is excellent to hear. Are you excited for TGS this year? So excited. So excited. Is TGS one of the big dates on your calendar for gaming, or is it just E3 or nothing for you? No, no, no. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of all of it, man. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Japanese games, so... Uh... Sony's pre-TGS show, if that's any indication, we are in for a good time. Yes, uh, the pre-TGS show was huge. Uh, myself, uh, Ernest, don't call me a girl, Lynn, and uh, Kyle Prawl. The three of us were on hand uh, to put up all the news from that event on the site as it was breaking. And to say that we crapped our collective pants was an understatement with some of the bombs that developers threw out at the show. Uh, there were some definite surprises, which we'll get to at a moment. Uh, so first off, uh, we have a question from Duffman, right? Our very own Duffman, Adam Duffield, at Duffman 1986. So please follow him. Bye. He wants to know, he wants to know, what are we most looking for at TGS? this year so we'll start off with a question brian uh you are new to the to the podcast so what are you looking forward to the most this year uh after the announcement that persona 5 was going to come to playstation 4 uh i myself kind of crap my pants at that because uh, i've been ready to kind of abandon my playstation 3 for some time now but being a massive persona fan uh that didn't really seem like it was going to be the case what I want to see out of TGS the most would be gameplay or some, uh, some additional footage out of Persona 5. Um, I think that's going to be an awesome game. Uh, as anything else would probably be um, if we could get some more details or footage from Kingdom Hearts 3. I think that uh, if I got those two, I'll be happy. Short list, right? Very Easy short. man to please. All right, and Ben, what are you what are you excited for the most? What are you looking forward to the most uh, from the show this year? Well, I would I would be excited for uh, Final Fantasy fifteen, but I don't think that's going to be there. So anything about Persona would be amazing. I, I agree with um, Brian. I was expecting to have to use my PS. I don't use my PS three often now. Now I've got a PS four, but for Persona five, I was going to use it. But now that I can actually get it for PS four, that, that has just made me really happy. Yeah, I think I am the uh, anomaly of the group. I do not have a PS4 yet. 
for logistical reasons, I live overseas, and so it's harder to move around with a PS3 and a PS4. But seeing uh, Persona 5, seeing that trailer just blew my mind. Uh, and to see it cross-gen uh, makes it very nice. I can pick it up on PS4 later and be in the trophy connoisseur that I am. I can get double the pleasure and double the fun from the Persona series thanks to that. But since we all are in agreement that Persona was uh, what we are looking forward to the most, because I agree that is what I want to look forward to the most, this TGS, uh, let's talk about the pre-conference impressions. Okay, uh, And let's start off with Persona 5. When I saw that uh, with Ernest and with Kyle, we were all like, WTF, OMG, this is going to be awesome because up until that happened at the end of the show, we were wondering, uh, where's Atlas? Where is Atlas? What are they going to do at the show this year? And they showed the trailer and it looked pretty, pretty freaking sweet. To me, uh, this is just me. I don't know how big of a connoisseur of Persona you guys are, but I got a Persona 2 vibe from it. I've been getting a vibe from, uh, for that game since the first teaser with the whole emancipation and breaking chains and with the red artwork style now that could just be a coincidence but the persona series is definitely big into symbolism and with how in the trailer they're in the streets and all the people are around uh that made that reminded me of one of the persona 2 uh opening cutscenes, uh similar to that so what, uh, what is your impression from Atlas uh, from the, the pregame show? Well, uh, Persona was their, their only game at the show, correct? Yes, I believe okay. so. Um, I, I agree with you. It seems like they're, they're kind of bringing uh, Persona kind of full circle. It did have a very Innocent Sin uh, kind of vibe to it. Um, but I, I do know that they have stated in interviews that they're going to continue with the uh, the high school setting um, for Persona 5. And it was going to be a very story-driven game, which uh, which made me very, very happy. Uh, totally agree with you about the trailer. I was a little sad that there was no actual gameplay. But uh, in terms of it being a trailer, it was very beautiful. Um, I was really happy to see that the composer was returning again because Persona 4 is one of the best soundtracks ever. Um, and the, uh, the note that it leaves off on was really awesome. The crowd just frozen in place with the white blaze in the background left me with a lot of questions and hopefully I will have a lot of those answered come uh, Tokyo game show. Well, the, uh, the composer is definitely a legend cause that's basically all he works on is persona and they do that. They do real concerts in Japan. That's just persona music. It's persona concerts. And, um, yeah, I've loved his stuff since Persona 2, even Persona 1. I bought 1 and 2 on the PSP when it was on sale, and I loved how they revamped the music. They added like the Persona 4 style-ish music to it. It sucks that you can't really keep choosing between the two so you can compare the differences, but his music has been has been great the whole the whole time. Ben, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I pretty much agree with what have you what you've just said, really. To be honest, I have nothing really else to add. That, uh, I would, that I, covered pretty much everything. 
Yeah, I will have to say that if, if Shoji Meguro, the composer, ever leaves Atlas, ever leaves the Persona series, I think, in my opinion, the, the series will kind of lose its identity because the music for that series has, is what made it probably as successful as, as it has been. As good as the stories is, without his music, it probably would not be as, as popular or as successful. But that's just me. Um, all right, so that's Atlas. Now, that wasn't the only bomb we saw. We also saw Dragon Quest Warriors, right? So Square Enix just decided to throw that haymaker out there. So we got a Dynasty Warriors-esque Part, Dragon that, Quest game. Well, it's not going to be Dragon. They said the fact there's going to be more action RPG than it is um, yeah. Dynasty Warriors. Okay, well, Dynasty, and I think I made a mistake. Did I just call it Dy- a Dragon Quest Warriors? Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. it's Dragon Quest Heroes, my mistake. Uh, I was too excited there. Uh, yeah, you're right. It is going to be action RPG, but the fact that Omega Force is making it, uh, we, we can't deny that there's going to be that Dynasty Warriors yeah, influence and flair. It's going to be like Dynasty Warriors. Now, if I'm killing like 50,000 enemies a stage or through a level to level up, I'm not going to complain because um, I've been a fan of the Dynasty of the Warrior series forever. Now, that said, it's obviously not going to be a traditional Dragon Quest game. Do you guys feel that that will help or hinder uh, the popularity of the Dragon Quest heroes because Dynasty Warriors is a divisive series. You either love it or you hate it. And so to go in that type of direction, do you think the hardcore RPG fan might scoff at the idea that it's not a traditional Dragon Quest game? I'll go with Ben first for this one. Uh, I think they might a bit, but I think this will be a great way for Sony to get... uh, I think it would be a great push for getting more Dragon Age, Dragon Quest games in the future. I think this will be a stepping stone for us to maybe get, yeah, Dragon Quest Eleven or stuff that like is, that. That's that is a good point. Also, I think we should say that currently it's only for Sony. Yeah. Currently, it's a Sony exclusive. And I so think people were ta- talking a while that it's uh, where it's where's the game in Japan, right? Ishin had a bit of an impact. But what is the big seller for Japan? Well, Dragon Quest always has been. So that is the system seller for Japan that they need. Is it, isn't it uh, it true that it used to also be a national holiday when there was a new Dragon Quest game coming out? I don't actually know if that's true. Uh, I think that's rumor. That would be awesome if it was true. Dragon I, Quest Day. I'm I sure. believe, uh, not necessarily a holiday, but the way that I understood it was with, I believe it was the release of Dragon Quest Three on the Famicom. Yeah. The Japanese government told Enix at the time that because of the number of absentees from school and work on that day alone, that they were no longer allowed to release a Dragon Quest game through the week. They had to release it on a weekend. That, I believe, might be what you were thinking about. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. That's exactly what we were thinking about. That's still, though, that a game could cause that big of an impact. That if it's one hundred percent true is just amazing. So Brian, what do you, what do you think about Dragon Quest Heroes and and Square Enix's bomb with that? Uh, Dragon Quest and I go way back. I I was uh, I was very fortunate to be uh, an NES kid, and uh, my first 
traditional RPG was Dragon Warrior in North America, which is Dragon Quest One. And um, I've been a huge, huge fan of that franchise ever since. And when I saw the announcement of Dragon Quest Heroes, uh, I kind of thought, um, along the lines of what Ben was thinking, I was like, all right, recently Dragon Quest has been more of like a Nintendo franchise. Uh, Dragon Quest Nine was on DS, Dragon Quest Ten is on Wii and Wii U. And I kind of thought that maybe this was Square's subtle push to say, all right, maybe we need to move more with Sony going forward in order to simulate sales. Um, I would not be surprised if in the future Dragon Quest XI came out on PlayStation 4 or Sony platforms in some capacity. Um, your point about how divisive uh, Dynasty Warriors is, I'm not... I have nothing against Dynasty Warriors. I've played a few, and I've had fun with them. Um, it's not going to uh, detract from me being excited for this game. I'm also excited for, on the Nintendo side, uh, Hyrule Warriors, which is, I believe, going to be a similar affair. It's Zelda with a Dynasty Warriors um, twist. Gameplay. Yeah, with the Dynasty Warriors twist. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think that's really cool that they are taking this uh, kind of fun Musou-style and throwing different skins on it, and I'm uh, I'm very excited. I'm hoping Dragon Quest Heroes gets localized, and maybe in the future we'll see uh, Dragon Quest characters joining Warriors Orochi in their big crossover series. Uh, who knows? That would be quite interesting. Also, uh, before we change, remember the fact that even if it yep. doesn't get localized, remember the PS4 is region free. So yeah, even if you can't, That's true. Even if you can't get, you know, here, you can just import it. Yeah, that that is the benefit oh, of the Dynasty Warriors formula is you can't if you don't really care about the story that much, or if you already know the story, like Dynasty Warriors, Samurai Warriors, it's always the same. It's just you you figure out a couple menu options and that's it. You can easily play. You don't really need to know Japanese to play those games. So uh, will it work a hundred percent with with Dragon Quest Heroes? Maybe not because you need to learn the story, but to be able to just play it, uh, yeah, it is region free. So that is that is the plus because the Wii is the Wii U region free because I don't have one. No, it's, so re- I never it's looked into region it. locked. It's region locked, so that also hurts as well, mm-hmm. the, the sales of it. Um, okay, so those are the two big bombshells. I think we would agree with that. And then when we were, we meaning Ernest Kahl and I were watching it, uh, there's some, you know, Japanese only kind of stuff that was there. They had some video, uh, some Vita games. They had a new Hyper Dimension, Neptunia Victory 2. They had a new Fairy Fencer uh, series uh, game, uh, which we only now just got in the West localized, which I'm currently reviewing. Um, Tiskea 5 is coming, PS4 only. So that's a PS4 exclusive as circa that show. Uh, so it's definitely a RPG heavy event that it was showing. Uh, but the other big name that we saw, which has gotten Capcom into a lot of crap because a lot of people didn't like the last one, i.e. Resident Evil 6, is we saw a teaser for Resident Evil Revelations 2. Uh, and so it wasn't a big teaser. There wasn't a lot shown. But do you think uh, it's going to be a big splash? Do you think that a Revelations 2 is going to help, in theory, repair 
uh, any type of image damage that Capcom has with the Resident Evil series. Assuming it follows the same gameplay as Revelations 1. What do you think, Brian? Well, and uh, so it's no secret that Resident Evil 6 um, really put a damper on the franchise and how people perceived it. Uh, But fortunately, and a lot of people, myself included, feel that the first Revelations was the best Resident Evil game since RE4. Mm -hmm. If they continue to kind of focus on what Revelations did in that it tried to encapsulate some of what made the original game so much fun with the survival horror aspect as opposed to more of an action focus, I think that going forward, Revelations as a sub-franchise might end up being more uh, relevant than the main installments themselves. So um, with the right promotional campaign, with uh, the right push from Capcom, and sort of this understanding that this is, we understand, this is what you guys want. We are listening. Here's Resident Evil Revelations for those of you that have been kind of disappointed with our outings as of late so um i do think that resident evil revelations will have a big splash in the gaming community when it finally comes out what do you think ben well i'm not a huge resident evil fan but i heard the same thing about revelations the fact that a lot of people liked it because it felt like the old resident evil games again or at least a little bit of it so it'd be interesting to see what happens uh, Capcom has got a bit of an, a lot of an image problem right now, even without Resident Evil. So we'll we'll see. We'll keep our hopes up anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I personally, I had no problem with Resident Evil Six, and I mean, in theory, a lot of people didn't because the game still sold like millions of it. But the the hardcore fans are definitely very vocal about not liking it as much as four or even five. Um, my take is uh, to keep it with this TGS theme, is we've seen Persona 5, we've seen Revelations 2, we've seen Dragon Quest Heroes. These are big-name games that are being teased and promoted, and they're doing it at TGS. They're not waiting until E3 2015. So, um, And these aren't just Japan-only games either, because uh, a lot of people think TGS is mostly games for the Japanese market. Like those three games will be or most likely will be coming uh, to the West. The most likely being Dragon Quest Heroes. The will be obviously being Persona 5 and uh, Resident Evil. Uh, so with that said, uh, let's get into the, the meat of it. Uh, TGS itself. Uh, it's going to be huge. I'm looking at some numbers from last year because I myself was there representing PlayStation Universe at the show. Uh, Daniel Chang, who was our freelancer, my friend who came with us, who flew in from Korea to attend with me as well. Uh, We thought the event was amazing. It was spectacular. And let's put some numbers uh, uh, into context here for this event. 2006, I'm looking at the TGS site right now. 2006, there was 176,000 people and change. I'm rounding off uh, at the event over four days. Keep in mind, this event is open to the press uh, for two days only, uh, Thursday, Friday. 
and then is open to everyone, press and fans, on Saturday and Sunday. So it's not like E3 where it's press only. Uh, so 176,000 in 2006. Last year when we attended, 270,000 people attended, which beat uh, the 2012 record of 223,000 and change. So it was definitely huge because what did you have? You had the PS4, you had the Xbox One. They were slugging it out. Um, this year, it could break again because the PS4 is already out. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you think that those numbers are going to go up? Do you think those numbers are going to go down, stay the same? Uh, ben, what do you think of that, of how popular this event is, even though uh, it seems that all the big-name games seem to only go to E3. I, want, I, want, I think it might go down because it's not as, as hype this year because it's not a launch. Mm-hmm. Well, I, we say that, but we, we can bring that up later about another console that has launched recently mm-hmm. in the area. Um, but yeah, I, do, I think it'll go down a little bit, but I don't think it'll go down much. I think, think it'll go down a tad, maybe 250? Yeah. I think we'll see it slightly less, but I still think because the consoles are still new, there's still a lot of hype behind them. It's the fir- it's pro- their first TGS since they've actually come out, really. Yes, that's true. That will help with the hype because, yeah. But we'll see. All, r- all right, Brian, what are your thoughts? I think there's a potential for the event to be a little bigger this year, and I, I'm basing that... Um, to Ben's point, yes, consoles are out, so there isn't necessarily as much buzz there, but I'm kind of hopeful that this uh, uh, pre-showing by Sony has kind of generated a lot of buzz in of itself and kind of um, made people a little bit more aware that might not have been about the event uh, internationally. Um, all of this content being shown off, there has to be some curiosity with gamers kind of saying, like, all right, well, if they're announcing this now, what's left like this isn't even the main event what's going to be shown at this other thing and so now i think that there might there there is the potential for a bigger showing this year simply out of curiosity based on what we've already seen from this pre-show at sony yeah because the pre-show are just like trailers and teasers and, and such and at the actual event you can see uh demos and uh playthroughs and all that of the games so it will definitely have an impact. I, I think, and this is my biased opinion, because uh, I love TGS, I think it'll go up um, because the PS4 is out, so everyone wants to see what is new. Uh, because, let's be honest, at release of PS4 last year, uh, and by release, I mean pre-release of, of the PS4, it was kind of like just rehash games. There wasn't really much out for it. It was like, oh, okay, you got your Madden remastered, you got all these these remastered games and you got like these small indie titles uh, like Knack and Killzone. We, we saw a lot of and Assassin's Creed four. Well, that was all, or black flag that was already out on the PS three. So there wasn't anything new and spectacular. Uh, so now we get to see the meat. We get to see some new stuff. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot more people at it. By a lot, I mean I, I think it'll break the twenty, the the two eighty mark, in in my opinion, and then I could be wrong, and it goes to two twenty, which would be hilarious, uh, and such. So, 
Um, we had another question from, from Duffman. He said, do you think the PS4 and Vita will feature more than the others? Now, he did not explain others. I am assuming uh, he meant PS3, at least for Sony, or we can assume uh, the other systems as well from Microsoft and Nintendo. So, Brian, what do you think? Do you think the PS4 and the Vita will get a lot of loving at TGS this year? Uh, yeah, I think um, Sony's got a great relationship with uh, third parties, again, on an international basis. Um, with the install base the way it is, and I think that's kind of what lent itself to Atlas deciding to put Persona 5 on PlayStation 4. Um, with how open Sony has been and how they've been very um, assisting with all these developers for their platforms... I think a lot of third parties are going to see them as a really viable option for their games. So you're, I, I do think that at Tokyo Game Show, the, the dominant force will be Sony in that you're going to see a lot of not only first-party content, but third-party content uh, with either exclusive features or just exclusive in, in of itself on uh, Sony platforms as opposed to um, Wii U that doesn't necessarily have the install base or Xbox One that's virtually non-existent over there, even though it just had its its launch. Um, it seems as though that uh, the PlayStation brand is uh, kind of synonymous with uh, Tokyo Game Show at this point. All right, those are some excellent points. Ben, what are you thinking? I'm thinking that Microsoft rarely ever focuses on Japan. Mm-hmm. Nintendo's pretty much revealed all their cards already for the. There's a lot of games. I'm not saying there's mm-hmm. not many games that they've announced, but they've already announced pretty much all their games. I think for this year. Um, so I don't think either of those have much to show this year, and that's the reason why I think Sony can win the show because they've got so many. Supposedly they've got 150 titles to announce by March 2015. Or is it? It's a it was, lot yeah. of titles. So. Yeah, it's kind of hard to compete with that, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Microsoft's TGS 2014 lineup and circa of uh, a couple weeks ago, and I'm looking at the list, and you see like Dead Rising 3, you see Forza Motorsport 5, Forza Horizon 2, Halo the Master Chief Collection, uh, Minecraft Xbox One Edition, uh, Rise, Son of Rome, and uh, Sunset Overdrive. And then, of course, uh, before that, Microsoft was promising surprises coming to TGS. Uh, what that surprise is, uh, who knows? Uh, honestly, I'd like to see Microsoft make a big surprise. It would definitely make the show a lot more exciting. Because when I was at the event last year... Um, like we went to the Microsoft booth, and uh, Titanfall was the big game there, and it was fun. But that was kind of about it that they had, and the booth was quite small compared to uh, Sony's, which had like everything. So if a company didn't want to demo their game at their own booth, they had it at Sony's booth or at both. Like it was just crazy uh the amount of games they had at their booth plus they had their vip section that we attended to play all of the big hyped games like assassin's creed killzone knack 
and and such. So uh, it's going to be interesting who uh, pulls out the big guns for that. I need. I would like to see the Vita get a lot of loving, to be honest, because Vita sales are increasing in Japan. Um, one of our forum users goes by the name of Aaron Soldier. He posts the Japan sales every week in our forums. And I guess they do it like a weekly. Wherever he gets his source, it does it bi-weekly. Um, so keep keep the numbers in context. This is on a week-by-week week basis. This isn't like a month or something. So like 3DS is selling like hotcakes. It's selling like 30000 a month. I'll be sorry, a week. 30000 a week roughly. And the Vita is selling anywhere from fifteen to 20,000 units a week in Japan. And so people are buying the system. Uh, and they're getting some games. But I would love to see a lot more games come out uh, on the Vita, especially Vita-only games. Because right now I get this feeling that the Vita is more like a, a peripheral than its own system. Uh, instead of being like the 3DS and have its own identity, it's more like let's use it as a controller to play uh, PS4 games on. Or if you're playing your PS4 game, you can cross-save and then take uh, your progress with you on the road and kind of like play that portably, which is cool and all. But if you're if you're not into portable stuff a lot, it doesn't it doesn't help you. Or if you're not uh, if you don't have the opportunity to play on the road, like in Korea, Japan, it's easy to do that. You have to take a train everywhere. You have to take a bus everywhere. Uh, but the rest of the world, we kind of there's a lot more car usage, so it's hard to play your Vita while driving to work unless you want to run into someone uh which isn't good so do you do you guys think there's going to be a lot of a vita love this time around ben what do you think well i want to say yes all the god yes yes all the vita but i i'm probably gonna have to say i, I really doubt it I, I i think sony's really focusing on being an indie machine now we'll see a few more <laughs> indie titles mm-hmm. um I would love to hear a bombshell where, so, where Square comes on the stage and goes, actually, Pharmacy Type-0 will be on the Vita and PS4. Uh, and then, I'm, uh, then I might go, oh, but I, I don't think that'll actually happen. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my thing. I don't, I don't expect much, sadly. I, I've given mm-hmm. up hope. All right. Ben has given up hope, which is very, very sad. Uh, Brian... Are you giving up hope, or do you still have hope that the Vita is going to get a couple primo uh, exclusive titles? No, I uh, I absolutely believe that the Vita still has life in it, and I think that even though it's not necessarily a relevant device over here in the West outside of remote play, like you mentioned, um, it it to your point, is gaining ground and popularity in Japan. And I think one of the cool things, especially for somebody like myself that loves JRPGs, you're going to see a lot of Japanese content on PlayStation Vita that um, companies like Atlas or Xseed might feel would have uh, marginal success over here, and they would feel that localizing games that might be announced at Tokyo Game Show, um, it would be... A benefit to bring them over here. So I think that Vita in itself is going to be a niche device, 
but that won't rule it out necessarily as a failure. I think that this year at Tokyo Game Show, you will see that Sony is still dedicated to the device, maybe not so much in the capacity that we would like, especially after um, Shuhei Yoshida had said that first-party support for it was going to take a hit. They were not going to have as much first-party support available on the platform or developed for the platform. But I think that it's it's far from dead at this point. You will see exclusive titles. You will see support. Um, it'll 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 do well. Yeah. With that said, I think the the thing to keep in mind is context. A platform, uh, a, a handheld, is not going to be like the 3ds. Like that's Nintendo's realm because it has, you know, Pokemon. That sells things like mad. Um, I think from the start, as long as people understand the Vita is like a peripheral device in a sense, I can play my PS4 game on my Vita or my PS3 game on my Vita too. I think it will it will keep a long lifespan uh, as long as people keep that in mind, as long as it, it has a couple good titles on its own. So that way it entices people to play it for more than your, say, Warriors Orochi 3 Ultimate on the run or something like that. So here's hoping because I did play, I reviewed a few of those XC games uh, that were localized on the Vita and they were fun. They were interesting and you, you can do a lot of stuff like that. Because it's a Vita, you can skimp on the graphics a little more and people won't care as much because it is a handheld as compared to the PS4. So I think hopefully there's a lot of ingenious and ambitious indie guys who say you know what i want to make like the next chrono trigger and say screw graphics give an amazing story amazing combat and put it on the vita and it could probably sell really well in that way so then uh here's my next question for you guys what company needs a great showing at tgs Okay, and so let's put this into context because the PS4 is out. The Xbox One technically was released in Japan recently. Uh, I say technically because a lot of people saw the pictures of the very, very abysmal <laughs> non-line of people waiting <laughs> for the Xbox One. And I know I'm laughing, and it's not, it's not me being mean about about the xbox but it's just so crazy how there is like no one there and to be fair to be fair we don't know when that picture was taken it could have been after the lines are gone to be fair anyone can do it like that but it is well, no there was reports that a lot of the pictures were taken half an hour before the launch oh were they so yeah. then i rescind my comment then well not all of them true. of course we can't can't say all the pictures are yeah. but some of a lot of them were done like half an hour or an hour before launch these weren't exactly star wars lineups and such people waiting for weeks to get this thing I don't know, um, like pacific rim lineups or that <laughs> as well um so ps4 is entrenched xbox one fell out of the starting blocks at the olympics essentially uh the Wii U has been there for a while. It's picking up some speed thanks to Mario Kart 8 and other games being released. Uh, so those are the... Let's break this into two ways. Uh, let's focus first on the actual 
uh, platform companies first, and then after that, we'll talk about the specific software companies. But which of the three, uh, of the big three, needs to have a great showing? Right? It's, it's do or die. They need a great showing this year at TGS to set the whole year right on a good note before E3 happens. Uh, ben, I'll send it to you first. I think we all know this answer, really. There's one company that, that really needs it, and that is Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Nintendo already has a few, a lot of games that will entice a lot, most of the worldwide audience. Um, yeah, with Mario Kart 8, Hyrule, Hyrule Warriors, uh, there's a new Yoshi game coming out, I think. Smash Brothers, there's a lot of games that, yeah, for everyone. Well, Microsoft, uh, not really. It needs more diversity. It needs more diversity, I think. That is its main problem. Even the PlayStation needs a bit more, but at least it has some, right? Yeah, some coming. All right, so diversity is what Ben is calling for for Microsoft. Brian, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with Ben on this one. Um, Nintendo needs a great showing, but I mean, their their financial situation aside, I mean, their sales situation aside, um, the launch of Xbox One in Japan, like we were talking about, that um, that's not not at all a great way to start. If Microsoft is truly dedicated to trying to make this brand work in Japan, they really, really need to kind of dig themselves deep into Tokyo Game Show. And like Ben said, there needs to be a greater sense of diversity in the titles because as you you you, you named off all of the uh, Xbox One titles that were announced for the Japanese launch. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I think really only one of those games is something that I think a Japanese audience will enjoy, and that's uh, it was Dead Rising. That's, that's yes. made by Capcom. Uh, obviously, I don't really see there being a market for Rise or Forza or uh, Halo. Uh, They're not Forza big. Will, Forza will do well. Does uh, Forza do well over Japan? Well, well, Gran Turismo does well there because they like their racing games. Well, we like racing games as well. So I can see Forza right, I, doing pretty good because of racing. It's a racing title. Not majorly well. They but do have a big looking, racing culture there as well. Yeah. So I can see that helping it a little bit. So, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's I, I I agree with Ben at some point. Uh, I mean, it's Microsoft either has to completely throw themselves in and say yes, we are here in Japan to stay, or realize that okay, I, I don't know what the sales figures are for the launch initially, but it may be best to pull out at this point. So they either need a great showing or to just say, all right, we're done. We're just going to relegate ourselves to the UK and to the West. Yeah, see, the the interesting thing when you bring up the Dead Rising part is I was thinking about what I was going to say, and that was Microsoft needs a really good, exclusive, Japanese-targeted game to sell the system there because a lot of the time it's either um, Western games that they bring over and localize or... It's a Japanese-made game that is also on the PlayStation or Nintendo and just happens to be cross-platform. Because um, I'm thinking back to the whole Tomb Raider controversy and how Microsoft got 
limited time exclusivity for the new Tomb Raider game. And I'm thinking it's really hard for Microsoft to go out and buy an exclusive title from a Japanese company in Japan because it would force that company to then piss off its entire Japanese home audience. Like, Say, for example, if magically we wave our wand and Microsoft buys Final Fantasy XV, just buys it outright, it's only on the Xbox One, hypothetically, right? Imagine the backlash against Square Enix in Japan. They would probably just consume the company, spit it out, and it would go bust in a day uh, because no one has an Xbox there. And so I'm thinking Microsoft is in the hardest position out of the three companies in the world because Japanese, like Nintendo and Sony, have been entrenched in their own country for so long and they can make Japanese games that will appeal to the Westerners and then, but make Japanese games. But the West kind of can't, Microsoft kind of can't do that as well and make Western games that appeal to Japanese people, but then vice versa. But sorry, then they also can't go and buy a Japanese game for their system because no one has their system and no one's going to buy their system because they already have PlayStations or Nintendos. So it is a really hard position that Microsoft is in. Uh, it's kind of almost like a lose, not a lose-lose, but it's like a, they're surrounded on all sides. And they, are, they ain't the 300 against the Persians. So it, it's going to be interesting what kind of magic they can pull out of the, the genie, from the genie, out of the magical lamp this year. Well, and, uh, it seems like they've kind of taken some initial steps in courting some Japanese developers. Uh, I know E3 this year, um, Platinum Studios, they're putting Scalebound out on Xbox One exclusively. Is that correct? I've not even heard of that game. Yeah. Uh, I believe uh, it was... Uh, yeah, I remember. It looked pretty good, actually. Yeah, I was really, uh, I was really upset. I'm not necessarily a big uh, Xbox fan so much anymore, um, but that... That did look very interesting, but it... Ah, uh... oh, okay, I've got some news. Oh. It'll be coming to the PS4. <laughs> What's that? Scalebound will be coming to the PS4. Did you just oh. hear this? You just got the tweet from them? They're, they're uh, spying no, on us? No, I just us? looked online. Um, it's only timed exclusive, from what we can tell. Only exclusive. Oh, okay. There we well, go. That, I, I rescind all of that, then. But I think that's new. It's kind of newish news. So, unless you're actually looking it up, you wouldn't know. Yeah. So yeah, it should be time exclusive. So, but again, time exclusive can help sales anyway. That is people, true. People want it straight away. Don't want to wait six months or a year. And they'll go and buy that system. Yeah, I'll go buy it. So, sorry, Brian. Yeah. No, you're fine. Uh, All right. So I think then we're in agreement that Xbox, Microsoft has to have an amazing showing that although I don't think they will, Nintendo and Sony could rest on their laurels laurels a little bit more this year as compared to last year. So then let's go to the actual software developers. Let's go to those companies. Same question. 
I'll go to Brian first with this one. What is the one company that has to have an amazing show in this year? What one company needs to prove they're going to be bringing uh, the boys to the yard, so to speak? <laughs> right? Whose milkshake is going to bring the boys to the yard at TGS? Well, the two that come to mind, and I, I can't really decide on both. Uh, Square Enix and Capcom for two different reasons. Okay. Um, so uh, Square, the the reason that I, I would say Square is, is that um, uh, I I used to be a a huge Final Fantasy fan, and I kind of fell out of out of love with that franchise with Final Fantasies twelve through um, through uh, fourteen. At this point, I would kind of like to see something out of that company that kind of makes me believe that they are they're learning from their mistakes and that they're trying to revert back to their uh, their heyday with the SNES and the PS1. Um, I'm not terribly sold on Final Fantasy 15 at this point. I think they need to have a solid showing for that. Uh, I'm very excited for Kingdom Hearts 3, um, but and I would like some additional Dragon Quest uh, info. But I think um, if I had to choose out of both Square Enix and Capcom for who needs a better showing, I, I think Capcom might eke out. And I think this is more they need a show out of goodwill. Because, I mean, it's no secret that uh, Capcom has pissed off a lot of their fan base over the last several years for one reason or another. Be it Mega Man cancellations, um, DLC on disc. I think that uh, Resident Evil Revelations 2 is a great way to start, and I think that they need to keep that momentum going and showing franchises that kind of instill goodwill back into gamers as far as Capcom is concerned. Um, I myself, having grown up with that company, I've been pretty upset with them as of late, and so I would like to see some uh, really cool original content out of those guys um deep down is something i want to see more of a tokyo game show from capcom um yeah i think i would go with with capcom out of both all right so one point for capcom ben what are your thoughts i can't go with square enix they 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 hurt a lot of people with the last five Fantasy games because a lot of people did not like 13 I wasn't a fan of 12 either, actually, Brian, but I must admit I love 14. You're hurting uh, my soul, man. 13 uh, was magical. So I would love to see them show off 15 more and see, show off how, how good it looks because it's been so long and I, I want to play it. Let me buy it, Square. Let me buy it. Why won't you let me buy it? I want to give you money, but you won't let me give you money. That, that's my, Yeah, I think Square needs the show. More than uh, well, not more than anyone, but they just need it. Yeah. All right, that was short and sweet, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, so it's one and one. So I have to be the tiebreaker here. It's like no pressure <laughs> at all. So uh, I'd have to say I'm thinking back to last year, and uh, Square kind of didn't have much at the booth. Uh, they had Lightning Returns, which was our RPG of the show last year. Uh, and then they had Final Fantasy XX2 on show, on display. And that was kind of it from them. And then Final Fantasy um, 14, the MMO. 
RPG that was there yeah. uh, for playing as well. So it was basically a Final Fantasy Fest of playable demo stuff. And then they, they showed some trailers from Bravely, Default, and uh, Thief, and some other stuff. And then they had Wolfenstein on on show as well for some reason. I guess they were teaming up on that. So they didn't have the best of booths. Capcom was not that good either. Like Honestly, we never got to the Capcom booth because they just had uh, Basara the new Basara game, and that was about it. So that's Samurai Warriors, or Capcom's version of Samurai Warriors. And they did have Deep Down. We played Deep Down at the VIP booth. That was an interesting game. Uh, it was kind of fun. It had that Dark Souls, Demon Souls feel, uh, but the demo was way too short uh, and also didn't play the best. It took me a while to figure out what I was doing. So last year, both companies kind of stunk it up but capcom had the worst show to me because well we gave them zero awards and we gave square enix one award um to break the tie you know lightning's the waifu but i still gotta say square enix needs a better show this year in my opinion because uh this is the japanese market and they need to show what they're going to bring to Japan again. Because uh, Capcom's kind of more international, in my opinion. Their games usually come out to both areas, no matter what. And, uh, and honestly, Resident Evil is kind of keeping them afloat with all of their financial problems. And that's more popular in the West than it is in Japan. At least that's what the numbers kind of say. So I think Square Enix needs the best show because they need to show what they're bringing. They need to show that they're going to kick ass like it's 1991 again uh, and show that they're the RPG kings all over again. Because like I said, Lightning's the waifu, but a lot of people hated Final Fantasy 13 and 13-2 and 13-3 and stuff like that. So I'm hoping they have something playable for... Final Fantasy 15 to show that it's going to be good, to show that it's going to be worth our time and people's money, um, and also some other type of RPG trickery or something um, to get people excited to want to buy a Square Enix game instead of throwing curses and saying, why aren't you just Squaresoft again, right? Because it just seems to be all the trouble with them happened after the merger with Enix, and because Enix was kind of crappy at the time of the merger. So uh, that's my opinion for that. Now, but I agree, though, with Brian. I agree with you. Capcom does need to show something as well, because honestly, they're on life support. Um, it's no secret. They, I don't know if they're still in talks about takeovers with uh, the board allowing takeover talks or anything, or if that got scrapped or something. Like, who knows with Capcom these days? But honestly, they could get bought out by Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo if they wanted to spend the cash. Uh, Square Enix has a better portfolio and a better uh, bank balance than Capcom at the moment. So they're both kind of in the lurch. It is a very close call between the two of them. Uh, that is for sure. So, um, so that said, uh, what what company then do you think could just slide by 
what company can just come in, show a couple of things, give a meh performance, and it won't hurt their portfolio coming into uh, Christmas or E3 for next year. Uh, ben, what do you think? Are you talking about just in Japan or worldwide? Um, well, do you have thoughts for both? Is your, is your answer going to be different? Well, it would be kind of different based on who it is. Based on, yeah, worldwide or Japan. Um, let's say, let's say worldwide, because we are a worldwide oh. show. I, I'm not sure about that worldwide. Um, I guess out of anyone, it's probably Sony. Mm-hmm. Because there's, we've already got a, a, a ridiculous amount of games announced worldwide. Mm-hmm. So anyone, it's Sony, but I doubt it. You know, even them, I don't think any company can just rest on their laurels, especially when there's, you know, if if both big, if all three companies decided to rest on their laurels and not do anything, that'd be the only way I think it'd be possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'd have to have every company decide that this year we're not going to show anything. We're just going to show everything we showed off last year. That, that's all we're doing this year. Um, that, that's the only way I think it'd be possible. Um, okay. So yeah, I don't think anyone but Sony possibly. Even then, it'd be really a bad idea. Uh, so yeah, and if it was just Japan, I think it'd be Nintendo actually, because okay. Smash Bros. They've got a lot of games that will, you know, already announced that are good for the Japanese market, like uh, Smash Brothers. Um, You've got Hyrule Warriors. You've got New Yoshi. You've got New Mario, New Yoshi's. Mm-hmm. So you've already got a lot of games that fit the market already, anyway. So yeah, of anyone for Japan, I think it'd be Nintendo that could have a little break. Which... Yeah, because that is true. Because the PlayStation Four hasn't been selling uh, yeah. as well in Japan as it has in the West. So uh, not saying that the PlayStation has been selling bad there. Uh, it's just not as sold as much as in the West. Um, uh, just to, to do an aside quickly, uh, we're talking about Capcom, we're talking about Resident Evil, and of course, the moment this comes up, my browser decides to die on me, but our very own editor, Adam Byrne, just gave me a little information about Resident Evil Revelations 2 and who is going to be in it. Okay. Claire Redfield is apparently going to be back, and Barry Burden's daughter is going to be in this game. That is what he just told me. Uh, as we've just posted up on the website, you guys can check it out there, although technically this might be released after uh, it got put up. But that is what he has told me, so hot news on that. Does that change your idea about Revelations at all, guys? Of like who the cast is now going to be. Uh, I've just been kind of holding out on information in general on Revelations too. So in terms of cast, I mean, I was never like, oh, it's got to be Jill, it's got to be Chris, it's got to be X character from the franchise. I just I've been kind of sitting back saying, I'll I'll take it if it's like the last one. I don't care who I'm playing as. Fair enough, uh, Ben. Um, as I said before, I'm not a huge Resident Evil fan, so. Again, it doesn't really apply to me. Got the need Mike on the show yeah. then. He'd probably be. If Mike was here, he'd be screaming right now. Be, oh, be ha- all yeah, the, all of the news. 
It, it is definitely interesting that Claire's back. She's in another game. And then, uh, of course, for some reason, Barry Burden can just never get into another game since the first one. But his daughter is in the game now. So that that's, will be... That's at least something. It is at least something, but where's there's no love for Barry. Who knows? So, they might use it as a way to cameo him. That that is true. Maybe He's now she just might hold like, a, she might hold a picture of him. We might see a picture, just like his picture cameo in Resident Evil Two. So uh, it will be interesting. So I just wanted to bring that up. Apparently, it doesn't change your guys' minds at all. To me, I think that's a bit of a bombshell um, for the Claire fans uh she's getting some love again because she hasn't been seen since code veronica uh technically not counting the uh, multiplayer choice from resident evil operation raccoon city so uh or her cameo in that in the storyline but she was not playable so uh brian back to you back on topic uh apologies for that uh what company do you think could just slide by give that meh we're just here for fun performance at TGS this year and not have it negatively affect them uh, off the top of my head I think that if any company were able to do it at this point it might be Konami okay uh, with the with the exception of PT the Silent Hills uh, game that Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro are creating I mean, they've put out. I mean, honestly, what other games do they have coming out that have interest aside from Metal Gear Solid Five? Uh, they've already shown a wealth of information about Metal Gear Solid Five recently. I've I've been sold on it since day one. I think that they could have a showing for Silent Hills and just kind of have more of a subdued presence at Tokyo Game Show, and they'd be they'd be fine. I don't think they'd get enough. I, I don't think they'd get any any backlash at all from having more of a uh, diminished presence there outside of Silent Hills. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you with that. They just need to show up. Here's the demo again. Here's some other stuff, and, and they'll be good because the hype machine is definitely through the charts. What did, what did he say at the pregame show? He said it was like a million downloads for a trailer. Not a, Sorry, not a trailer, but a demo. Like, When's the last time a demo has gotten like a million downloads. Look, no, it, uh, that, that exploded quickly. That exploded so. quickly. And then interesting point about that is a lot of people are bringing up the notion that it might be on the Morpheus. So that would be quite interesting to see that go all VR headset uh, because that's a game that definitely could pull it off well and definitely cause a few people to go into a, catac- a catatonic coma <laughs> from scaring the crap out of them. Um, so now uh, it might get a lawsuit here or there of people releasing bodily fluids from thinking they're being attacked in real life because of those crazy headsets. But it, it would be interesting, especially if it became exclusive to... Um, uh, like if the Morpheus is just, well, I doubt it's going to be exclusive to the Morpheus, but add that to it. It is definitely a big thing. Um, the only thing I have with that is I find the Morpheus would be really good on mm-hmm. uh, first-person games, but not with third-person, really. Yeah. And, and as Silent Hills is going to be mainly third-person, 
Is it? Okay. Yeah. It, well, they, he said the fact that they might have a first-person option, but they haven't decided yet. Uh, well, if there is a first-person option, it, it'd probably definitely be Morpheus yeah. uh, connected, uh, for sure. Uh, but, I gotta yeah. agree with uh, Brian that Konami is the best one to kind of slide by of the big profile names. Like, I mean, in, in all honesty, like every year Tecmo Koei slides by, they slide by like nothing. Cause honestly it's the next dynasty warriors game. Oh, excuse me. Uh, maybe a romance of the three kingdoms game, but they're such a niche company to begin with. Uh, they just slide by every year. Like hell last year, they didn't even have a booth that we could find. It was just they had like a little artwork display set up showing all the Nobunaga's ambition covers because of their 25th anniversary. And that was kind of about it. All of their games uh, were being shown off by Sony at Sony's booth. So they were in partnership with them. Uh, so, but I got to, again, I got to agree with, with Brian. Konami could slide by, have Kojima show up. He'll probably be there doing something. And then, you know, everyone will just go goo goo and go all fangirl on him, and everything is right in the world, which is what happened last year at TGS with Metal Gear Solid 5 uh, demo. Because he shows up, shows off the game a couple times, that's it. Nothing else is really there from Konami. So, uh, for sure. All right. So, uh, let's go back to Brian for a second. Brian, um, what are you. Like going back to the start of the podcast, now that we've been talking about this for the past hour, hour, 20 minutes or so, are there any other hopes, dreams, wants from the show that you want to see now that you've been able to think about it some more? Um, see, I would like to see some additional gameplay and details from Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big Souls fan. Uh, I was really excited when Bloodborne was initially announced as a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Um, uh, let's see here. Dragon Quest, obviously being a big deal, it would be kind of... Uh, it would be a, a big bombshell at Tokyo Game Show if uh, Dragon Quest Eleven was announced as a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Um and it was more, in the traditional sense, a single-player RPG as opposed to the MMO uh, avenue that they went with uh, Dragon Quest X. Um, I think that might be, might be it for me because, again, uh, Metal Gear Solid V is uh, a huge deal for me, but I've already seen a lot of that. Silent Hills is no doubt going to be there. I'm very uh, interested in Disgaea 5. I've never been a big fan of the franchise. I want to see more of that. Um, I think that might be it for me. All right. A couple new things. That's good. Ben, what about you? Did you think of anything else that you want to see from TGS this year? Uh, Not really. I I just want surprises. That's what I want. I want to be surprised. You want to be surprised, just like at the pregame show, just yeah. to drop the bomb with something. Yeah. Even if it's not a big surprise, a little surprise is enough for me. Yeah, uh, I would love to see a surprise. I would love to see Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo say, hey, this big name franchise is suddenly exclusive and not 
timed exclusive crap, but honestly, it's only coming to this system. Deal with it. You're going to be buying our system now. Uh, what game that could be this day and age, uh, who knows. But I would love to see something like that. Obviously, I would cry if it was on the Xbox One because I have no intention of buying an Xbox One. But uh, actually, now that I think of it, there is one thing I do want to see, and it's not from Sony. Uh, so I'm going to get some flack from the from the, the Sony fanboys from PlayStation Universe for this. The game I want to see some coverage of is... Shin Megami Tensei uh, Cross Fire Emblem on the Wii U. Oh, yeah, that's right. I yeah. want to see something from that because, honestly, I told my friend this. I'm buying a Wii U for that game. That is my system seller. I will buy a Wii U for just that game. Um, so I want to see I want to see where my money's going. This is going to be like a $200 game. So I want to know what I'm getting for my $200 or however much a Wii U is going to cost me when the game is released and localized so because fire emblem awakening was an awesome game i beat that game and it didn't even have trophies so that's a miracle in itself because yeah, i don't I say that's games. a shock yeah <laughs> you said that's so deadpan too ben uh but yeah i don't beat games if they don't have trophies and so that was a, a big surprise and so i would love to see that from atlas that's a that wasn't that's an atlas game i would love to see them pull out of their hats and actually now that i think of it i am going to look up to see what atlas is going to be showing at the event if i can find some information on that it, um, it would also be nice to see if poken fighters is there in some way all the pokemon um yeah pokemon style Tekken. uh Yep. Pokken. I, was, I don't know how you say it. Pokken. Yeah, I, I'm still on fence with that. All Pokken. I know is it's the Pokemon fighting game. Yeah. It leaked. They've also got that leaked Pikachu game that's got to be announced soon because it leaked not long after the. Uh, along, about last year, there was a Pikachu game leaked and Pokemon Fighter. So it'd be interested to see what that Pikachu game became. It looked really creepy. <laughs> From the leaked information, it was about a a detective Pikachu that could talk, and you got to go do mysteries, solve stuff with him. But they try it made it like a realistic looking Pikachu, and it just does not work. Mm-hmm. It just looks so scary. It's like some someone who was having a really bad nightmare after playing too much Pokemon would have. Oh, Pikachu! The, the Japan's mascot forever. Well, wasn't, he, wasn't Pokemon used for the Japanese football team at the World Cup? I don't I'm sure think it was. So. I'm sure this sure? year. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see that, but uh, maybe. I guess uh, viewers, let us know because I have no clue. Tweet us at psu.com, D O T C O M, uh, to let us know. Was Pikachu used at the Japanese uh, national team? Uh, at the World Cup this year. One second. He's going to look it up himself, but still, tweet us anyways. Yeah, tweet us. PSU.com, D-O-T-C-O-M. Oh, Ben is sending me this information. Now, uh, as an aside, back to Atlas, we totally forgot there's another Persona game. 
Oh, I had dancing all night. Pikachu. Dancing all night. Yeah. That game looked <laughs> awesome, and I am not even a rhythm guy. Uh, that shows how much of a Persona fanboy I am. That's coming out 2015. Obviously, it's going to come out first in Japanese, uh, unless they somehow dual code it. Uh, so they should, they might show something, a trailer or something going on. Yeah. Uh, also, they got uh, Citizens of Earth, which is released in November 2014, uh, which is a very retro style RPG, which has not been getting a lot of press that I've been seeing. And Rollers of the Realm, which is that crazy pinball fantasy RPG. So, and that's uh, Citizens of Earth is released in November, and Rollers of the Realm is released in October of this year. Uh, so, those uh, could have a playable demo or some type of trailer at TGS, which would be fun. That would be nice to see, uh, and such there. So, uh, with all of that said, um, do you guys have any questions about the Tokyo Game Show? Because I was the only one on the site to attend the event and so do you have any questions that the viewers might have about how things work at the event oh um does it follow uh, on the show floor does it follow a fairly similar structure to that of like e3 or gamescom i mean you said uh, e3 is very uh press focused but Mm -hmm. um is there any sort of uh, little nuances that Tokyo Game Show might have, um, being that it's not necessarily as press-focused as E3 would be? Is it a little uh, more friendly to uh, the public? or That's a very good question. All right. So uh, the Tokyo Game Show is broken down into four days. And so the Thursday, Friday is press only. or They call it business day. So it's bre- uh, press and business people attend. And then uh, Saturday, Sunday, it's open to the public. So anyone in the public can show up. Um, so I'm looking at the list from last year. Uh, the business day on Thursday, there was almost 30,000 people there. 23,000 the next day on Friday. Saturday and Sunday, the public days, there is 102,000, 115,000 people respectively. So it's a massive, massive event. Uh, when Daniel and I were there for the public day, uh, we respected our press passes a lot more. I think there's this mystique with people, with, with non-people in the gaming industry that's like, oh, man, that dude's got a press pass. That's, that's really cool. Uh, but a lot of events, or at least I'm, by a lot I mean E3, is, is press only. So the press pass kind of doesn't really mean much. It just means you get into the show. Uh, so on those two business days, everyone's equal. You wait in line, you wait in line. That's where you're at. And you wait your turn. But on that on the public day, when it's a giant Japanese mosh pit, to quote Daniel, uh, you really learn to respect that press pass because you can cut through lines. Uh, does that mean you can play the games? No, you're not allowed to play the games. But what it does is you're allowed to watch other people play. So if it's just coverage that you're looking for, not hands-on stuff. So if you want to do commentary like we did, you want to take videos, take pictures, you can just show the pass, cut through the line, and just watch someone over their shoulder. Um, So uh, it helped a lot in that respect. As to the friendliness of it, uh, 
the one thing that I noticed was there it was a mixed bag in terms of English at the event because obviously it's Tokyo, so Japanese is the language in Japan, uh, and but it's a massive international event. Some of the companies scrimped on their uh, dual language employees. Uh, Sony was on the ball. I had zero issues with talking to anyone at the Sony booth. Uh, zero issues whatsoever. Um, the only problem I had there last year had nothing to do with the language barrier. It was just one PR side not knowing what the other PR side was doing. Uh, but other companies like Square Enix, honestly, none of their guys actually spoke English at, <laughs> on the floor. That was quite shocking. Actually, they had they had the press area, and they they spoke English there quite easily. But uh, in the actual lineups on the actual floor, uh, the people there barely spoke any English, so that was kind of hard uh, to deal with. The same as I'm trying to think of the other company that had that similar problem, but it was them and another one that had the similar problem. Sega was good. Sega, there's no issues with them uh, and stuff. So there was that. Uh, as to how the floor works, it's separated into different domes and so or uh, areas. So you have your general floor area where you have your games, and that was stuck into two sections of the uh, of the Makuhari Mese area, um, and then you had other floor areas that had other stuff. One was for mostly uh, purchase, purchases, so collectibles and things like that. Others was like a LAN area and, and, and others. And then there is the press area, which was we never found the press area, ironically enough, because we had no time to find it. We're trying to cover everything. So when we're actually going to watch the games or going to the actual company's booths, uh, they varied in size. Sony obviously had big ones because they have more to show. And then others like Sega had kind of medium tier. Tecmo Koei, they just had a... They didn't even really have a booth. They just had more like a stand, like a like a wall set up to show off, off their stuff. And it's quite orderly. It's just you get in line, you wait. Because it's the press day, there's not a lot of people there. So the, the lineups are short. Uh, the longest we waited was for Wolfenstein, which was about 40 minutes. That was simply because of the length people were allowed to play and the lack of uh, consoles set up. There was four stations set up for that game with a 20-minute playtime. So even though we were like fourth in line, we had a long wait uh, for that others was quite short and again like because these areas it's not just for games um the sega had a booth set up like a little mini uh a mini movie theater for when they showed off yakuza ishin and there and the trailer for that game and gameplay footage the same is for um enemy within shinji Mikami's enemy within uh that was just a trailer and they set up a theater for it so uh, quite easy to, uh, to get into, but public day, you are not seeing much. That's kind of the sad thing about it because we were waiting about 20 minutes to see the Yakuza Ishin trailer and we were like maybe 
40th in line or something because it let in about 40 people at a time. But that's 29,000 people. Uh, 102,000 people, the lineups were just so crazy. It's like you pick two things. That's all you're seeing at the show. It's just two things as a fan. Uh, does, that, does that answer your question uh, appropriately, Brian? Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was great. Very elaborate. Very elaborate, yeah. I'm trying to remember <laughs> everything from last year. It's hard to believe it's like last year. I was talking to Daniel earlier today, actually, and he brought that up. It's like, hey, wasn't it like last year when we were like at TGS? And I'm like, yeah, it was. Uh, so that was, that was interesting. Um, ben, do you get any, any questions the fans might want to know about TGS? Because obviously it's so hard for people to go to Tokyo since it's so far away from the UK, Europe, and and uh, North America. Uh, my head is called a blank right now. The only other question I got is what are the like the food like there is there a good you know, if you get hungry <laughs> during the show. Uh, that's actually quite that's actually a good question. I was thinking about that. Um, in the show, they actually they do have a a food area, a food court. Sadly, we never got to partake in it a lot because it was just kind of generic, you know, the $10 burger uh, stuff. Um, And that was on the exhibitor's floor in one of the areas. Uh, So you had your standard burgers, pizzas, some Japanese food, stuff like that, nothing too exotic. In the hallway, in the, uh, the conference hallway, uh, they actually had like there's a guy who had like bento. Do you guys know what bento is? Isn't it like a boxed rice meal with fish sometimes? Yeah, it's like a boxed meal with like rice and like other. Well, other you can stuff. have meat and fish, can't you as well? Yeah, meat or fish and some vegetables and 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 uh, like some sauce and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I want to say thank you Naruto for teaching me that because in the fighting games, if you eat a bento, you get a stat increase. There you go. That yeah, it was that that was like in uh yeah. Oh no no wait, it wasn't Dynasty Wars. That was the dim sum. Sorry. Yeah, but yeah, so they had a bento and we Daniel and I we just got the bento on the show uh like during the show uh because it was quick and it was cheap and there were no lines because uh the issue with with an event like that is there is only two of us and so there's only so much two of us can do. Uh, at one time because he's the cameraman I'm like doing the commentary so we have to stick together and do stuff Um, other sites like say IGN who have multiple people at the show they can kind of scan out they can spread out and do more things get more stuff done and are able to partake in in waiting in line an extra 10 minutes to get a burger if they really want to while we we couldn't, we kind of had to have a game plan. Like literally the first day, because it was the first time we were at the event, we're like making kind of rookie mistakes, trying to figure out what we're doing. And then when we were finished it, we're like, okay, what's our game plan for tomorrow? What are we going to do first? What are we going to do second and third? And we're like, this is what we're going to do. And we got it done. Like he wanted to get the Los Santos t-shirt from GTA 5. And so we went to that first on the second day. And then right after that, that was like 10 minutes because that's the first thing we went to and there's no line. After that, we went to Yakuza with Sega to see that, what they were showing. Uh, so we had a game plan to, to maximize our time. 
outside of the show, uh, for food, we actually found this really sweet noodle restaurant by our uh, by our hotel. It was really good. We went there for all three nights for dinner. We never even considered going anywhere else. And uh, if I don't know if it's under my name or not, but for those listening, if you want to look back a year, find our um, day one review from the Tokyo Game Show uh, Tokyo Game Show last year. Uh, we filmed that in that noodle restaurant. So we're actually in the restaurant. After we ate, we just sat there for an hour talking about the Tokyo Game Show and filming it for the site, which was quite funny because other people are coming in and eating and they're wondering what what are these two guys doing here filming and talking and stuff like that. So it was it was quite funny to go back the next day and the day after and do it again and see the cheeky smiles from from the uh the cooks and the the staff seeing us again for three straight days and such. Uh, it was really good. The noodle place was excellent, cheap, easy. Some of it was kind of self-serve as well. So it was very, very delicious. Did, uh, did that fully answer your question, Ben? Yes, it did. It also made me hungry. Well, Daniel and I were talking today and we're like, we got to go to that noodle place again. So I, I'm going to be there next year for TGS. That is, we're not there this year because yeah. we don't have, um, I'm not in Japan living there again. And also Chuseok, which is Korean Thanksgiving, is not during TGS this year. So alas, we cannot attend in person. But next year, I'm going to go to, to 2015 no matter what. And I know I'm going to go get the same same hotel, which is next to that same restaurant. And hopefully it's still around because that would suck if it closed. Well, we do the same. So with, delicious. When I go down to Eurogamer Expo every year, there's a Chinese restaurant we went once one uh, the first year. And it was one of the best restaurants we've ever been to. The food was so nice. Mm-hmm. So every year now, we've been down, well, this will be our fifth year down. Every year we go straight there our first night. <laughs> we're like, yep, yeah, we're going down to London for the expo. We're definitely going to get Chinese food now. Don't care about anything else. That is the most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That is good. Brian, did you have any, any more questions the fans might have? No, I think we covered everything, man, between uh, cuisine and, uh, you know, everything else. Yeah. But um, there are similarities to E3 and stuff. I mean, there's like it's not just the games. Like we talk about, like Capcom, we talk about Square, Sony, uh, Nintendo, Xbox, all of that. But there's like a lot of different areas they have at uh, TGS. I'm on their website right now, looking back at the 2013 stuff. And I mean, we talked about the merchandise sales area. Uh, smartphone and social games are big there, so they had their their own area as well businesses are there trying to pimp stuff out indie games had their own section cloud gaming the cosplay remember that is huge in japan so there's their own cosplay area that was kind of interesting to see people cosplaying at the show um just walking around especially on uh the business days that was really cool um interesting no this is a side note because everyone brings it up every year the booth babes and 
Sony, I I have to hand it to them. They probably had the best showing from the booth babes last year. And Xbox as well. Although Xbox, their their uniforms were like a bit really old-fashioned. But the two of them were, were showing that they wanted to be really classy. It wasn't so much let's just show as much skin as possible and, and get people hyped into it. Uh, they kind of went with the more uh, airliner, uh, uh, air hostess-esque type of uniform. And what was really cool was at the end of the day, uh, the end of the second business day, uh, all of the all the booth staff from Sony, they all lined up at the end right in front of their area. And there's a lot. There was like at least 50 people. And they did this like very traditional bow. And it was like really cool to see them pull that off like in unison and stuff. Um, and it was quite quite fun to see that. And then Daniel had problems with some of them. He He didn't like some of the companies they showed off a bit too much skin for his taste and uh which i could agree with to a sense because it was kind of especially the monster energy drink uh that kind of uh did a cross promotion with call of duty uh they had like free monster energy drinks for sale and i love monster energy drinks but it was kind of weird seeing uh the japanese uh, booth babes kind of even if they were dressed scantily acted a little more classy or just were just there taking pictures and stuff but the the monster booth had uh western girls as the booth babes and they were kind of more provocative and slavacious and stuff like that so it was an interesting contrast between the two um that i noticed and it was quite quite interesting to see all that go around uh, TGS. And then silence. Sadly, Just... last I knew, Booth Babes are still banned in Eurogamer now. Are they? Yeah. Why did they ban them? Because of uh, Virgin last uh, a couple of years ago basically had a very a very sort of offense, well, it, people were offended even though it was actually in the 18th you know, 18 plus section. They had women walking around with um, QR codes on their hot pants. Oh, so you have to go up to them and scan it? Yeah. Well, they didn't actually work. I tried it myself. Uh, That's kind of... I'm like... I'd be wondering how that would even work. I mean, that the people, the girls who would be working that would have to have like a really, really thick skin because... Yeah. That's some up close and personal attention in in not in some very intimate areas. Yeah. It was a big QR code. It was you know it was like the size of their butt cheeks. It wasn't like you know you had to go up. You could probably sc- you could scan it from a distance. Oh okay, so there was yeah. It wasn't like a small cube. Get, yeah. Oh, you didn't have to like literally get up close and cop a feel or something. No, to, no, to get no. the scan. Oh, okay. No. That's the the way the way you said it kind of made no. me think like that's. Yeah, and I'm then I'm wondering if you can scan it from so far away. Like that's not a big. It was big, because big kids were breaking into getting into the 18 plus area, and they thought it was inappropriate for kids to see. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah, because it was it was actually in the 18 plus as well. Yeah, it wasn't like it was. They weren't walking around the normal sections. Yeah. 
That's um, weird. Well, anyway, that sucks for them. So, yeah, they got banned because of that, so... Well, sadly, they will not have to... Anyone will have to worry about that at yeah. TGS, because it is the land of the otaku. <laughs> um, actually, the interesting thing, I'm just looking... Uh, I just saw um, a picture from the event last year. Uh, to me, what I am curious to see is what is on display, like advertisement wise at the show this year even though i'm not there it was really interesting to see uh games that weren't even on that didn't even have a demo get a lot of advertising space like psycho break aka the evil within it's called psycho break in japan for those who are not privy to that information uh there's a lot of advertising for that game around the site same as wolfenstein and wolfenstein isn't really a big japan game so it's interesting to see those two have the most advertising around the whole area um so it'd be interesting this year how which games get the most press uh like uh, which companies buy the big huge billboard advertising spaces because like we went in and we're, we're walking in and it's just like the the billboard spaces above the entranceway were just like Psycho Break and Wolfenstein, which was odd because it's like you would think the PS4 or the Xbox One would have bought those out like mad to to just keep pumping out the message to everyone. So that will be interesting uh, to see when people start taking the pictures, what comes out for that. All right. So I think we've been talking about this for a good, good couple hours. So do you guys have any last-minute questions, any last-minute comments about Tokyo Game Show 2014 uh, for this year before we wrap up the podcast? No, I think I'm good. Uh, I completely forgot about the Shin Megami Tensei uh, Fire Emblem crossover. Uh, I'm with you on that one. So. Got to see it. I want to see it. I couldn't find the information. So sadly, I don't know what Atlas is going to have there. And again, this was, uh, for those still listening now, this was recorded on the 6th of September. So this is uh, a good four, two, yeah, four weeks, two weeks before the event. So we didn't have all of the information privy to it. So some information might be coming out after this podcast was uh, hosted, was recorded. Uh, so please keep that in mind. Uh, ben, you have any last comments, any last questions before we wrap things up? Uh, nope. That's pretty much it for me. Thank you, though. All right. Excellent. Well, fans and viewers of the show, thank you for joining us again for this year's Tokyo Game Show podcast. Remember, the Tokyo Game Show is September 18th to September 21st at the Makurahari Mese in Chiba, Japan. I know, ironic, it's in Chiba, not necessarily Tokyo. But last year was great. This year should be better. Uh, Stay tuned to PlayStation Universe for Tokyo Game Show news this year. For Buckeye, Brian King. For the real Jim Sterling, Ben Shillaby Hall. I am your host with the most, Dane Smith, saying please enjoy games. Please enjoy the Tokyo Game Show this year. Good night, good gaming, and we will see you next time.
buy his book. <laughs>